When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Beware the Redwood Bureau, a secret organization which captures and researches creatures and objects that defy explanation. Their reckless procedures have led to countless innocent lives lost. I am Agent Conroy. I worked for the Redwood Bureau, but I have escaped them to leak their reports to the unsuspecting public. You have the right to know. It's estimated that 600,000 people go missing every year, while that number is, in fact, far greater. And of that number, approximately 1,600 go missing in U.S. wildlands. But again, the real numbers are far greater. Several factors play into this misreporting. One being that there are many small towns that rely on tourism because of their proximity to wilderness and natural wonders as part of their local economy. Advertising a string of disappearances isn't good for business. Another is quite simply a blatant disbelief of anything extraordinary within law enforcement as a whole. The third and most insidious reason is the Redwood Bureau's constant and thorough cover-ups. No tactic is beneath the Bureau when someone stands in their way. RBP-2121 is just another example that would have otherwise never seen the light of day. I only hope that me leaking this report will dissuade the Bureau from feeling the need to silence the lone survivor. I can still taste the blueberry pancakes from Ma's Diner, rich and warm. The kind that sits heavy in your belly and promises a good day. We were three that day. Sarah, Richard, and me, Alex. Regular folks with a shared love for the unpredictable charm of the wilderness. We were excited, brimming with anticipation of another hike, another adventure. Little did we know how this one would unfold. As we finished up our breakfast, Richard pushed away his plate and smirked. I've got a good feeling about this one, he said looking at Sarah and me across the table. We're going to make some serious memories today. Sarah laughed, her eyes dancing with mirth. Well, if we get lost, it's on you, Ricky. She quipped, her fork still busy with the last of her pancake. I snorted, looking from Richard to Sarah. Who gets us out every time we get lost? I asked, raising an eyebrow. I'll give you a hint. It's not Mr. I've got a good feeling over here. Richard threw his head back his laugh filling the cozy diner. Aw, oh, come on, Alex. Loosen up, will ya? All work and no play? Sarah joined in, her laughter light and contagious. Makes Alex a dull boy. Got it. She chimed, her grin infectious. Leaving Ma's, we piled into the truck, our gear and dreams carefully packed in the back. The laughter and chatter inside that old Ford mirrored the morning air outside crisp, invigorating, with a little undercurrent of something unspoken, like the calm before the storm. Our eyes drank in the stretch of road leading us to the starting point, the forest where our journey would begin, a beautiful beast of green, with a heart as wild and enigmatic as the mysteries that lay deep within its belly. The forest was an ancient giant, with countless years etched into its every leaf, each towering tree every whispering breeze. 
As we arrived at its foot, awed by the sprawling labyrinth of green and the delicious sensation of smallness that came with it. We stood there, three tiny figures dwarfed by nature's grandiosity, excitement throbbing in our veins like a wild drumbeat. Then there was me, old meticulous Alex. They always joked about it, said I'd check the air if I could. I guess they weren't entirely wrong. As we unloaded the truck, I found myself going through our gear again, double-checking everything. The compass, the first aid kit, our rations. My fingers traced the familiar grooves of our old map as I confirmed our planned route. I could feel their eyes on me, their mirth bubbling beneath the surface. But it was our ritual, part of our routine. Richard would provoke. Sarah would chide, and I, well, I would double-check. Sarah, dear Sarah, was our heartbeat. As I handled the gear, she'd get busy with the food and her beloved map. Her fingers danced over the worn-out paper, tracing the trails we had yet to tread. She'd tell stories, her voice mingling with the rustling leaves. Sarah could find joy in the smallest things, and her laughter had a way of dispelling any worry. She was our light, our guiding star. Richard, on the other hand, was a spark that refused to die. He was the first to step into the unknown and the last to retreat. He snapped pictures of us, his enthusiasm as palpable as the earthy smell of the forest. The shutter's click punctuated his endless stream of jokes, his laughter echoing with the forest's hidden inhabitants. His love for the wild was infectious, stirring a sense of wonder and camaraderie that bound us together. As we ventured deeper into the woods, an oddity caught our eye. Among the giants of green, one tree stood taller, stranger. Its foliage resembled feathers, its base, legs. It seemed absurd, an elaborate trick of nature. I remember Richard joking about it, calling it the bird tree. We laughed, dismissing it as a curiosity of the wild before pressing on. If only we'd known the truth then. If only. As we ventured further, the forest seemed to come alive. Each rustling leaf whispered secrets, each bird call telling tales of the wild. The dense foliage cast a green-tinted canopy above us, dappling the ground with shifting patterns of light and shadow. There was a rhythm to the forest, a pulse that throbbed with life, luring us into a state of awe and anticipation. The bird tree's peculiar silhouette became a constant feature in our hike, appearing repeatedly along our path. I couldn't shake the nagging feeling that we were circling it somehow. But the map and compass pointed us otherwise, making a mockery of my concerns. Richard found my unease amusing. His laughter rang through the trees, a sound I wish I could hear again. As the day aged and the shadows grew, we began to search for a campsite, Sarah's intuition led us to a relatively flat patch, perfect for our tent and fire pit. Together, we began the familiar routine of setting up camp. Our movements practiced and efficient. Sarah organized our sleeping areas while Richard gathered firewood. I set about starting the fire, the spark catching the kindling, casting a warm glow around the site. The growing fire served as a beacon against the encroaching night. Around its comforting light, we shared a meal. Richard regaled us with tales of his imagined bird tree creature, his arms gesturing wildly as he mimicked its supposed movements. We joined in his laughter, our mirth adding warmth to the cool forest evening. Little did we know, the joke would soon be on us. As twilight draped itself over the forest, an eerie stillness settled around us. We swapped stories, each one wilder than the last, trying to outdo each other. Amidst the laughter and tales, a peculiar sound caught our attention. A strange call, neither bird nor beast, echoed through the forest, causing an involuntary shiver to run down our spines. We fell silent, listening, but the sound didn't repeat itself. In the absence of our laughter, the forest seemed more intimidating its shadows darker and the night sounds more pronounced. I remember Richard breaking the silence with a half-hearted joke. 
But the echo of the strange call had sobered us, reminding us of the unknown wild around us. The strange call continued to echo in our minds as we prepared to sleep. We huddled closer that night, our sleeping bags arranged around the dying embers of the fire. We whispered goodnights, the words hanging heavily in the air, weighed down by the strangeness of the forest and the lingering chill of our earlier scare. The forest, at night, has its own rhythm. It's a melody you grow familiar with, the hoots, rustles, and whispers that serve as a lullaby for the weary hiker. But that night, the forest played a tune that was far from comforting. The darkness that enveloped our campsite seemed deeper, the sounds more alien. The strange call we heard earlier seemed to hang in the air, amplifying our sense of unease. Sleep, when it came, was punctuated by strange dreams, dreams of looming trees with feathered leaves and predatory eyes. Dreams of being watched, stalked. I woke up several times, the remnants of my nightmares still clinging in my mind. Each time, I found myself staring at the dark silhouette of the bird tree, its form etched against the starlit sky. The rational part of me dismissed it as a figment of my overactive imagination, but another part of me couldn't shake off the feeling of dread. Sarah and Richard, my brave comrades, were also victims of restless sleep. I could see Sarah's eyes snap open several times, her gaze flitting nervously in the darkness. Richard turned and tossed, his usual soft snores replaced by muttered words and sharp intakes of breath. It was as if the forest was infecting us, its wild heartbeat invading our dreams and unsettling our rest. Finally, the night began to fade. The dark canopy above us lightened gradually, the outlines of the trees growing clearer. The first light of dawn trickled into our campsite, replacing the surreal shadows with a soft, welcome glow. But as I rubbed the sleep out of my eyes and sat up in my sleeping bag, I felt it. The silence. It was as if the forest was holding its breath, a sense of anticipation hanging in the air. The strange call from last night seemed to be reverberating in the silence, sending an involuntary shiver down my spine. Little did I know that the strange eerie night was just the beginning, a prologue to the tale of horror that was waiting to unfold. Day two of our adventure, we awoke to the forest bathed in a soft, eternal light. The air smelled clean, filled with the earthy scent of dew-kissed leaves and fresh soil. As I unzipped our tent, I caught a glimpse of the strange bird tree, standing solitary in the midst of a sea of green. Its odd form was highlighted by the morning sun, adding an element of the surreal to our humble campsite. We began our morning ritual in silence, each lost in our thoughts, only breaking the quiet for necessities. Hand me the water bottle, would you, Alex? Richard would ask, or Sarah would chime in. Guys, we're running low on the instant oatmeal packs. I remember trying to dispel the eerie atmosphere with a joke. Hey, maybe we can ask the bird tree for some fruits. I laughed at my own humor, but Richard and Sarah only offered me half-hearted smiles. Something had shifted in the forest, a subtle change we could all feel, but none could name. We set off, leaving the bird tree behind, our path snaking deeper into the wilderness. I was lost in the rhythm of the hike, the sound of our boots crunching over dried leaves, the occasional chirp of a bird or the rustling of small creatures in the underbrush. But as we moved further, I noticed the increasing frequency of the bird tree's appearance. I pointed it out to Sarah and Richard, who shared my unease. Yeah, it's strange. Sarah had said, her forehead creased with worry. Richard, trying to lighten the mood, chimed in. Maybe it's a fan. Can't blame it, though. We are pretty awesome. We stopped for lunch under the shadow of yet another bird tree, its strange form looming over us. As we shared our meal, a particular silence hung over us. It was Richard who finally broke it. Guys, I know this is weird and all, but we can't let it ruin our hike. Right? His voice held an uncharacteristic seriousness. Sarah and I nodded agreeing more out of camaraderie than conviction. As the day wore on, the bird tree's constant presence started to weigh on us, its eeriness becoming more pronounced, 
The playful jests and stories we usually shared were replaced by an uneasy quiet, broken only by the necessary communication. Water break, guys, or watch your step, Sarah, were the only words that punctuated the silence. Yet, despite the heavy atmosphere, none of us suggested turning back. It was as if the forest and its strange sentinel had cast some spell over us, drawing us deeper into its green heart. The sun had begun to dip, casting long shadows that seemed to stretch infinitely into the dense undergrowth. We decided to call it a day, setting up camp under the watchful gaze of the bird tree. Its silhouette a constant reminder of the forest's enigma. As night descended, we gathered around the campfire, its flickering flames casting dancing shadows against the eerie backdrop of the bird tree. We sat in a tight circle, our voices subdued. The forest had seemingly absorbed our usual mirth, replacing it with unsettling quiet. The usual camping tales and ghost stories that Richard loved were conspicuously absent, replaced by an uncomfortable silence that seemed to echo the forest's unsettling symphony. Trying to lighten the mood, I turned to Richard. Hey, what happened to the ghost story session, Mr. Campfire King? My voice sounded strange in the darkness. The shadows seemed to distort it. Richard managed a weak chuckle. Even the best storytellers need a break, Alex, he said, his gaze lost somewhere in the fire. It was unlike Richard to refuse a chance to regale us with tales, and his response only served to heighten our shared unease. Sarah broke the ensuing silence, her voice hushed. It's the bird tree, isn't it? She asked, her words hanging heavy in the crisp night air. It's giving all of us the creeps. I nodded, glanced towards the eerie silhouette standing tall against the inky black sky. Yeah, it's strange. But there's something more, isn't there? Like, the forest is different. I searched their faces, looking for an affirmation. Richard nodded, his eyes meeting mine. You're right, Alex. It's like we're... we're not alone. Like we're being watched. The night passed in uneasy silence, the forest alive with sounds that seemed to carry an undercurrent of the uncanny. Sarah was the first to retire her face drained of its usual vitality. Richard and I sat up for a while, staring at the dying embers, our thoughts as turbulent as the flickering fire before us. The bird tree stood in our periphery, its silent imposing figure an unwelcome addition to our campsite. When sleep finally claimed me, it was anything but peaceful. My dreams were haunted by images of bird trees, their ominous forms closing in on us. Every rustling leaf, every snapping twig felt like an impending doom. The dreams were so vivid, so lifelike, that when I jerked awake, I found myself covered in a cold sweat, my heart hammering in my chest. I could see Richard, awake and alert, his eyes wide with fear. It was clear he had experienced the same nightmare. The line between dream and reality was beginning to blur, plunging us deeper into the forest's nightmarish history. We spent the remainder of the night in fitful sleep, our dreams invaded by the uncanny bird tree and the unnerving silence of the forest. As dawn broke, we were all too relieved to escape the grip of our nightmares, welcoming the daylight despite our lingering unease. Over a hushed breakfast, we discussed our plans. We should continue. Richard said, determination seeping into his voice. We can't let a few nightmares get the better of us. Sarah and I exchanged a glance. The prospect of another night in the woods filled me with dread. But I found myself agreeing with Richard. We're here for the adventure, right? I echoed, trying to sound more confident than I felt. Sarah gave us a weak nod, her eyes reflecting the worry we all shared. Okay, she said softly. But we stay together, no matter what. With the agreement made, we packed up our campsite, leaving behind the unnerving silhouette of the bird tree. As we walked, the forest seemed to press in on us, the bird tree a constant presence in the periphery of our vision. It was as if the entire forest had adopted the entity's eerie aura, creating an atmosphere of dread that followed us like a shadow. The day passed in a blur of green, the specter of the bird tree never leaving us. 
as the light began to fade, we set up camp, each of us casting wary glances at the towering figure that had become our unwanted companion. The familiar routine of setting up the tents and preparing a fire was a welcome distraction, momentarily pushing the creeping fear to the back of our minds. However, as night descended, the terrifying reality of our situation returned with a vengeance. We sat in silence around the dying fire, the imposing figure of the bird tree outlined against the moonlit sky. The stillness was punctuated by the crackling fire and the distant call of nocturnal creatures, an eerie serenade that did nothing to soothe our frayed nerves. I don't like this, guys. Sarah finally confessed, her voice barely above a whisper. We should have turned back. Richard and I shared a look, but said nothing. We both knew she was right. But none of us could have predicted the horrors that the night held. We were lost in a nightmare and the forest was just beginning to show its terrifying face. As the night deepened, we huddled closer to the dying fire, our eyes casting furtive glances towards the silent silhouette of the bird tree. The once familiar sounds of the forest now held an eerie undertone, each rustling leaf and distant hoot serving to escalate our shared anxiety. As if orchestrated by some unseen puppeteer, the forest fell into an abrupt silence, It was a stillness that seemed unnatural, making the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Sarah gripped my hand, her own trembling slightly. Richard, ever the brave one, tried to make light of the situation. Maybe the forest is just taking a breather, he said, attempting a weak laugh that quickly died in the unnerving quiet. Just as the silence was becoming unbearable, a strange rustling sound echoed through the woods. It was unlike anything we'd heard before. A disconcerting mixture of leaves being shuffled and branches creaking. Sarah's grip tightened on my hand as we exchanged nervous glances. Before I could react, a loud shattering sound pierced the silence. We whipped our heads towards the source, only to see the towering figure of the bird tree shaking violently. Its branches rustled and heaved, And with a bone-chilling realization, we understood. It wasn't just a tree. It was alive. The bird tree. The thing I would eventually come to know as the carnopy sprang to life, its branches unfurling to reveal giant leaf-like feathers, its trunk straightening into monstrous towering legs. Its beak, previously mistaken for a broken branch, gleamed in the moonlight, sharp and deadly. We watched in frozen horror as the creature unfolded itself. A giant camouflaged in the heart of the forest. The carnopy released a terrifying otherworldly shriek, the sound echoing through the woods. The reality of our situation crashed down on us. We were in the presence of a predator. Its camouflage a cruel deception that had lured us into a deadly trap. Fear clawed at my throat as I scrambled up, pulling Sarah with me. Richard was on his feet too, his usual jovial face paled and terrified. The carnopy was watching us, its beady eyes reflecting the dying embers of the fire. The predator had revealed itself, and we were the prey. The forest had shown its terrifying face, and survival was our only goal. As the horrifying reality of the situation sunk in, Richard, ever the action taker, grabbed a burning stick from the fire, waving it at the carnopy. His usual laugh was replaced by a guttural shout as he tried to intimidate the creature. I watched, frozen, as the beast simply watched him, seemingly unbothered by the show of defiance. Run! Richard yelled at us, his voice breaking with fear. I didn't need telling twice. Grabbing Sarah's hand, I bolted into the darkness of the forest, Richard's terrifying shouts ringing in my ears. The forest came alive around us, shadows and shapes distorting in the flickering firelight as we stumbled through the underbrush. We need to get out of here, Sarah gasped, her hand gripping mine tightly as we ran. Her words were swallowed by the deafening sound of the carnopy's screech, the noise echoing through the woods, a chilling reminder of the predator we were desperately trying to outrun. Suddenly, Sarah tripped over a hidden root, her grip slipping from my hand as she fell. I skidded to a halt, turning back to help her. 
that's when I saw it. The carnopy was moving. Its gargantuan body swayed through the trees with a terrifying grace. I could see Richard in the distance, his makeshift torch flickering as he continued his futile attempts to deter the creature. With adrenaline coursing through my veins, I helped Sarah to her feet, pulling her back into our desperate flight. I could hear the carnopy's monstrous strides behind us, the ground trembling beneath its weight. I knew we were unlikely to outrun it, but I was hell-bent on trying. Meanwhile, Richard's brave attempts to buy us time were proving fruitless. The carnopy, unfazed by the fire, was closing in on him. His terrified shouts were growing more frantic, the fear in his voice a sharp contrast to his usual jocularity. As the monster neared him, a chilling silence fell over the forest. The last thing I heard before a horrifying scream cut through the night was Richard's desperate plea. Guys, help! We heard Richard's terrified scream echo through the forest, freezing us in our tracks. It was a sound that will haunt my nightmares forever, a chilling testament to the terror we were living. I turned around in time to see the horrifying scene unfold. Richard was cornered, the burning stick dropped, forgotten as he stood facing the beast. The carnopy loomed over him, its monstrous form casting a grotesque shadow in the moonlight. Richard was trembling, his back pressed against a tree as he faced the creature. He was panting heavily, his eyes wide with terror. Even from our distance, the fear etched into his face was painfully clear. Then it happened. With a swift, almost graceful movement, the carnopy lunged at Richard. Its enormous beak piercing through his body with terrifying ease. His panicked screams were abruptly cut off, replaced by a sickening squelch as the beast impaled him. His body jerked violently before becoming disturbingly still, his life extinguished as quickly as a snuffed-out candle. The sight was too much for Sarah. She screamed, a harrowing sound that pierced the silence of the night. But it was drowned out by the ghastly crunching noises as the carnaby tossed Richard's lifeless body aside like a broken doll. The beast turned its beady eyes towards us, and the chilling realization hit me. We were next. The fear was overwhelming, a toxic mix of terror and despair, but it was also a powerful motivator. With Sarah's screams still echoing in my ears, I pulled her away from the gruesome sight. We ran deeper into the forest, the nightmarish images of Richard's violent end fueling our desperate flight. As we fled, the forest seemed to close in around us, the darkness thickening with our mounting fear. We were two terrified souls lost in a forest turned hunting ground pursued by a creature straight out of a nightmare. The carnopy was real, and it was deadly. But we were determined to survive, for Richard and for ourselves. We had to keep moving, no matter what. The forest was a dark maze of trees and shadows, our terror further disorienting us. The carnopy's chilling shrieks echoed from behind, each sound driving a fresh spike of fear through our hearts. I held on to Sarah, our hands interlocked in a desperate grip as we stumbled through the undergrowth. We had to find a place to hide, a place the carnopy wouldn't think to look. In our frenzied flight, a glimmer of hope appeared, a small cave hidden amidst the dense foliage. It was a narrow opening, barely visible in the darkness, but it was shelter, a refuge from the monstrous terror that lurked outside. With a quick, desperate glance towards the direction we had come from, I steered Sarah towards the cave. We squeezed into the narrow entrance, our breaths ragged and heavy as we tried to make ourselves as small and as silent as possible. Once inside, we listened. The forest was eerily silent once again, the only sounds being our labored breathing and the thudding of our terrified hearts. The silence stretched on our shared fear amplifying every noise, every whisper of the wind. We waited, the dread of the carnopy's return keeping us on a knife's edge. Time seemed to lose its meaning as we sat huddled in the dark. Hours or minutes, we couldn't tell, but every second was torture. Every moment filled with the anticipation of the carnopy's return. 
We were trapped in a nightmare, our friend gone and our survival hanging by a thread. Warning, signal interruption detected. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Signal connection restored. As the night dragged on, we began to feel the weight of our ordeal. Exhaustion crept up on us. Our eyes heavy with the strain of fear and the desperate need for rest. But we fought against it. Our survival instincts refused to allow the comfort of sleep. We had to stay alert, ready to flee at the first sign of danger. We had made it through the night so far, but the dawn felt a world away. It was a terrifying reality. We were stuck in a deadly game of hide-and-seek with the carnopy. As the earliest hint of dawn began to pierce the darkness, Sarah and I remained huddled in the cave. Our bodies were cramped and stiff from the hours spent in our tiny refuge, But neither of us dared to move. The forest was still cloaked in silence. But the threat of the carnopy lingered like an unsaid word, hanging heavy in the cool morning air. The silence was shattered by Sarah's sudden whisper, her voice barely audible. Do you think, do you think it's gone? She asked, her eyes wide in the dim light filtering into the cave. I don't know, I replied, my own voice barely a whisper. The truth was, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know how to make sense of the nightmare we found ourselves in. All I knew was that we couldn't stay holed up in that cave forever. Maybe, maybe it left after, after it... Her voice trailed off, unable to finish the thought. The image of Richard's brutal demise was still fresh, still horrifyingly vivid in our minds. We can't stay here, Sarah, I said, my own fear mirrored in her eyes. We need to keep moving, try to find our way back. The suggestion was met with a moment of silence, Sarah's eyes darting anxiously towards the cave entrance. I'm scared, Alex, she admitted, her voice quivering. It was a raw, honest confession, one that echoed my own fears. I know, I am too, but we can't let fear stop us. We have to survive for Richard. The mention of our fallen friend was like a punch in the gut, The reality of his absence still a fresh wound, but it was also a grim reminder of our own dire situation. With a shaky nod, Sarah agreed. We began our careful exit from the cave, stepping into the gray light of dawn. 
as we emerged, the forest seemed different. The once enchanting wilderness now held a predatory aura. Each rustling leaf and creaking branch a chilling reminder of the monster that lurked within. But we pressed on, our resolve hardened by fear and the desperate need to survive. Our journey through the forest was a test of endurance, each step leading us deeper into the labyrinth of trees. Our senses were heightened, our bodies tense as we listened for any sign of the carnopy. We moved silently, whispering only when necessary, our hearts pounding in our chests like a relentless drumbeat. The fear was palpable, a tangible presence between us, but we had no choice but to keep going, to navigate the treacherous terrain and pray we would make it out alive. As we ventured deeper into the forest, the lush canopy above seemed to close in, casting us in a perpetual twilight. The light filtering through the leaves was eerie, casting long, distorted shadows that danced and swayed with the wind. Our once-familiar playground had morphed into an alien landscape, a surreal painting filled with unknown dangers. Every rustling leaf and cracking twig set our hearts racing, the threat of the carnopy ever-present in our minds. I think... I think we're lost. Sarah murmured at one point, her gaze darting around the surrounding foliage. She looked pale, her eyes wide with the fear that was coursing through us. No, no, we're not lost. I tried to assure her, even though I was barely clinging on to my own panic. We just... we just need to keep moving. Keep heading south. We'll find our way out. But even as I spoke, I could feel the seed of doubt planted firmly in my mind. The trees all looked the same, the winding trails leading nowhere. We were in the belly of the beast, a forest that was as beautiful as it was deadly. But admitting that out loud was not an option. Sarah needed hope, and I was going to give it to her. We continued our trek, pushing through the dense undergrowth, our senses on high alert. We kept to the shadows, attempting to remain as quiet as possible. Each footstep was measured, every breath held in a bit longer. We were on a razor's edge, a single misstep away from alerting the carnopy of our presence. Suddenly, Sarah froze, her hand gripping my arm tightly. Alex? She whispered, her voice barely audible. Her eyes were wide, her gaze fixed on something ahead. Following her gaze, I felt my blood run cold. There it was, the chilling reminder of the monster we were up against, the bird tree, the carnopy, standing tall and menacing amongst the other trees. It was closer than before, a silent sentinel that sent a fresh wave of terror washing over us. We stood there, frozen, as if caught in a nightmare. The sight of the carnopy filled us with a sense of dread that was deeper than anything we had felt before. It was a silent declaration of our grim reality. We were prey in its forest, and the hunt was far from over. We managed to bypass the carnopy, putting as much distance between us and it as we could without drawing attention. The feeling of being watched never left us. The knowledge of its presence like an itch we couldn't scratch. But we had to keep moving, had to continue navigating the seemingly endless sea of trees. As we pressed on, the exhaustion started to take its toll. We were running on fear and adrenaline, our bodies screaming for rest, but we couldn't afford to stop, not when the threat of the carnopy still loomed over us. So we pushed through, our bodies moving mechanically, the fear driving us onward. Hours passed, each moment a battle against the overwhelming urge to collapse. But we had to keep going, had to find a way out of the monstrous maze, I could see Sarah was fading, her steps growing slower, her eyes weary. We were both at our limits, our bodies and minds pushed beyond breaking point. But giving up wasn't an option. We had to survive. I need... I need to rest, Alex. Sarah finally admitted, her voice barely above a whisper. She looked at me, her eyes pleading. It was a sobering moment. A stark reminder of the humanity we were clinging on to, even in the face of such horror. Nodding, I guided her to a fallen log, making sure we were well hidden amongst the undergrowth. We'll rest, but we have to stay alert, I told her, my own fatigue tugging at my words. We huddled together, 
our bodies providing what little warmth we could muster. We took turns keeping watch, our senses straining to pick up any sign of danger. The forest around us seemed to hold its breath, the silence pressing down on us. Time seemed too slow, each minute stretching into an eternity. The specter of the carnopy hung over us, a ghastly shroud that tainted the beauty of the wilderness around us. As night fell, the forest took on a different character. The shadows deepened, the sounds of nocturnal creatures filled the air. Each crack of a twig or rustle of leaves made our hearts jump, the fear of the carnopy ever present. Warning, signal interruption detected. Signal connection restored. Our tiny refuge offered little comfort, the feeling of vulnerability palpable. As the hours crawled by, a horrifying thought began to gnaw at me. We had no idea how long we could last in the forest. The carnopy had turned our adventure into a nightmare. A deadly game of survival that seemed to have no end. But we had to press on. Had to hold on to the hope that we would make it out alive. Even in the oppressive darkness, I could see Sarah's face grow paler by the second. Her breaths, shallow and shanky. It was as if a horrible premonition had settled in her, her body rigid with fear. Suddenly, her hands shot out to grab my arm, her fingers digging in hard. Alex. She breathed out, her voice a trembling whisper. Something's wrong. Before I could ask what she meant, the ground beneath us trembled with an ominous thud. 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 The rhythm was methodical like a predatory heartbeat resounding through the forest floor. Then, all at once, a gut-wrenching screech echoed through the night, freezing our blood in our veins. It was the carnopy, and it had found us. There was no time to react, no time to think. The creature swooped down on us, its grotesque form looming large against the moonlit sky. Sarah screamed as it seized her, its beak locking around her chest with a sickening crunch. The world around me turned into a chaotic blur as I scrambled away, my heart pounding in my ears. Sarah's screams echoed through the forest, her body thrashing in the creature's vice-like grip. I watched in horror as the carnopy lifted her off the ground, the moonlight glinting off its deadly beak. Then... With one swift, ruthless motion, it impaled her against a nearby tree. Her body hung there, lifeless and limp, her screams dying into eerie silence. The carnopy let out a triumphant screech before retreating back into the forest, leaving behind a scene straight out of a nightmarish painting. I sat there, numb with shock and horror. My eyes glued to Sarah's lifeless form. The reality of what had just transpired was hard to digest. Sarah was gone, killed by the carnopy, just like Richard, and I was alone, left to fend for myself in the heart of this twisted wilderness. The nightmare was far from over, and the cruel truth was that I was next on the carnopy's list. The world had turned into a gory spectacle, splashed with remnants of my friends' lives, Sarah, dear Sarah, impaled. Her life extinguished in an instant by that monstrous carnopy. I was alone now, teetering on the edge of sanity. The pain was unbearable, but it was the fear that consumed me. Fear that the beast would return, that I'd be next to end up like Sarah, like Richard. In the solitude of my terror, time lost all meaning. The night dragged on the darkness deepening with each passing moment. Every sound, every rustle in the undergrowth was the carnopy returning, I thought. I cowered beneath the leaves, my heart pounding with dread. I waited for dawn to arrive, desperate for the light that might bring some semblance of safety. But as the night wore on, a chilling realization settled in. The carnopy could strike again at any time, and when it did there would be nowhere to run. As the sky lightened with the first hints of dawn, I stumbled to my feet. I had to move. Had to get as far away from the carnopy's latest kill as possible. 
With every ounce of strength I could muster, I staggered on, the harrowing images of Sarah and Richard's deaths replaying over and over in my mind. The beauty of the forest was lost on me now. The towering trees, once symbols of nature's grandeur, stood like gravestones, marking the resting place of my friends. I trudged on, an unwilling trespasser in this green hell. The only thing that mattered was survival. I had to make it out of the forest, had to escape the death that seemed to be waiting for me around every corner. The morning sun did little to warm my chilled bones. Its rays filtering through the canopy felt cruel, a stark contrast to the horrors of the night. I walked on, each step a battle against the fatigue and despair. I was alone in a forest turned nightmarish, the silence broken only by the occasional bird song or the rustle of the wind through the leaves. My heart skipped a beat as the rustling echoed from behind, my body instinctively tensing up. Was it the carnopy? But as I spun around, what met my gaze was a small creature darting across the forest floor. Just a squirrel. The relief was short-lived, though, the reality of my predicament crashing back down on me. The next rustle could be the carnopy. It was just a matter of time. As I moved, the forest began to transform. The lush green was giving way to an expanse of open meadow. Could this be my chance? A wave of hope surged through me as I spotted the edge of the forest. The sight was surreal, like a mirage after days in a desert. But as I stepped onto the open meadow, a sense of dread washed over me. The open field was a double-edged sword. Yes, there were no trees for the carnopy to hide, but it also left me completely exposed. With a deep breath, I started to cross, my senses on high alert. Every fiber of my being screamed at me to turn back, but there was no other choice. It was do or die. With the meadow stretching before me and the forest rescinding behind, I felt an odd sensation of being watched. It gnawed at my insides, a cold prickle at the base of my neck. I quickened my pace, but the feeling didn't abate. It intensified, became a looming presence. I knew then that I wasn't alone. A shadow passed over me a giant mass blocking out the sun momentarily. I barely had time to process what was happening when a deafening screech filled the air. The carnopy. It had found me. I bolted across the meadow, adrenaline fueling my desperate escape. But the carnopy was close behind, its thunderous wing beats echoing in my ears. I didn't dare look back, fear propelling me forward. I could hear its screeches, feel the rush of air as it swooped close. The edge of the meadow was in sight, another stretch of forest promising some sort of cover. But just as I reached it, a searing pain shot through my leg. I looked down to see a deep gash, the carnopy's beak having grazed me. Blood seeped out, staining the grass below. Pain ricocheted through me, but I pushed on, the will to survive overpowering everything else. I staggered into the forest, using the trees as a shield against the carnopy. The dense foliage made it harder for it to follow, but it didn't stop it. The creature circled above, its screeches bouncing off the tree trunks. My heart pounded in my chest as I willed myself to keep going. I was hurt and exhausted, but giving up wasn't an option, not when death was just a shadow above. As I moved deeper into the woods, the pain in my leg grew. Each step a battle against the urge to collapse, but I couldn't stop. Not with the carnopy relentlessly hunting me, my bloodied leg would have made a tempting sight to the creature. My survival instincts kicked into overdrive, the primal need to stay alive forcing me forward. A deafening crack echoed through the forest, followed by the sound of splintering wood. I looked back in time to see the carnopy smashing through the trees, its massive form causing destruction in its path. Terror rose in me like a tide, forcing a gasp from my lungs. But as the carnopy took off again, something caught my eye, the fallen tree it had crashed through. An idea sparked in my mind. With newfound determination, I limped towards the fallen tree, a plan forming. The carnopy's size was its strength. 
but it could also be its downfall. If I could lead it into crashing into more trees, it might just injure itself enough for me to escape. And so, I baited the creature, my body screaming in protest as I hobbled from tree to tree, the carnopy in hot pursuit. The forest reverberated with the sound of the creature smashing into the sturdy trunks, the ground trembling under its weight. It was a horrifying game of cat and mouse, one wrong move away from ending in my death. But somehow, my desperate plan worked. After what felt like an eternity, the carnopy's movements began to slow, its screeches turning into pain squalls. Seizing my chance, I made a last-ditch sprint towards the forest's edge, leaving the injured carnopy behind. As I broke through the final barrier of trees, the sight that greeted me was the sweetest I'd ever seen. The sun was setting, casting a warm glow over the ranger station in the distance. Salvation was within reach. I stumbled towards it, the pain in my leg flaring with each step. But the knowledge that I had escaped the carnopy, that I had survived, pushed me forward. As I reached the ranger station, the world blurred around me, and then everything went black. When I awoke, I was in a hospital bed, the nightmare of the carnopy still vivid in my mind. As the authorities investigated my account, the truth of what had occurred in the forest came to light. The carnopy was real, a horrifying aberration of creature. I survived, but at a terrible cost. Sarah and Richard were gone, their lives claimed by the forest we had loved. And me? I was forever scarred by the events. My dreams haunted by a giant bird that masqueraded as a tree. The memory of the carnopy will always lurk in the shadows of my mind. A reminder of the time when a hiking adventure turned into a desperate fight for survival. Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 2121. Carnopy. What it is, and where it came from, isn't exactly clear. While it is obviously some specialized variety of giant avian, the accounts and sightings match no species that the Bureau has on file. I can tell you firsthand that those files are extensive. If you factor in the Carnopy's behavior, it makes for an interesting case. Ordinarily, large beasts are motivated by a fairly simple compulsion. Hunger, the bigger the creature the higher the caloric requirements. While not an absolute, this is true on average. However, the carnopy didn't consume any of its victims and sought only to kill. From hearing the account, one might assume the creature was toying with its prey, but I have a different theory. The carnopy seems to have some level of control over the forest itself and was able to influence the group's minds to some degree. I believe this creature to be something akin to a forest guardian. It would not be the first recorded account of nature developing strange and deadly countermeasures when feeling threatened. I believe the carnopy was trying to deter the hikers from entering further into its domain. When they didn't listen, it defended its territory. In any case, the forest is a dangerous place. Pay attention to your surroundings and instincts should you make the choice to enter nature's domain. 